I did not ask Jake to change that song or to lead that song, but I'm glad that he did because it is a wonderful song relative to both of today's lessons. Tonight we're going to talk about choices. And that song, As the Deer Pants to the Water, talks about making that choice as we talked about this morning with Peter. Last Sunday night, Corky preached a sermon on choices. And I've often said in sermons and studies that our lives today and where we are each and every day is very largely the product or the result of the choices that we have made throughout our lives, and, and they are. But some of the most seemingly simple choices and sometimes cause some of the most devastating consequences imaginable. Sometimes they're very innocent choices, such as happened a couple of weeks ago in Branson. Such a seemingly innocent choice in the morning in the hotel room, perhaps, is whether the family was going to spend the day, the vacation day, on the zip line or going shopping or going to a show or going on the ducks can sometimes have devastating consequences for decades. Choices that all of us make, such as we're coming up on an intersection and the light goes yellow. The choice that we make at that point, and we've all made that choice and we'll continue to do so, whether to go or stop. If we look in the scriptures, we see completely different choices and outcomes that men made who had walked with Jesus for years and years. They walked with the same Lord, they saw the same things, but their different choices made such a, such a difference in where their lives went. Consider with me for just a moment Judas and Peter. Both of them walked with Jesus for the same amount of time while he was on the earth, saw the same things pretty much, with a few exceptions. But Judas got angry when Jesus made a financial decision regarding the alabaster vial of perfume, Judas got angry when Jesus made a financial decision that didn't agree with him. And so Judas made the decision to betray Jesus. We compare that with Peter, as we saw this morning. With the Apostle Peter, as we said, you could not correct him enough, rebuke him enough, challenge him enough, embarrass him enough, tempt him enough, threaten him enough, or push or pull or chase or drive or drag him away from the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how many times that man got rebuked and corrected, even in a public way, Peter was not going to leave the Lord. He wasn't going anywhere where his Lord wasn't or his Lord's word didn't point. They both made their choices. And their resulting consequences reflected those choices. You see, Peter, the reason he didn't go anywhere is he had chosen Jesus for life. And hence he remained one of Jesus' chosen who had life. Tonight we're going to talk about choices. Every church member, you and me, all of us, every church member has no choice 
but to continually make choices as well. We must, because that's what our lives as moral free agents, we're not puppets, we were given a free will. And so with that free will, that is what our lives consist of. Doesn't matter whether you're an elder, preacher, teacher, individual member, newest convert, it doesn't matter. Our spiritual lives in service are always a matter of our own personal choice. And they are a telling part of the fabric of the ongoing sequence of choices we make that compose our lives. And those choices we make on any given issue, any given action, any given event, largely determine where our lives will be tomorrow and more importantly, the choices that we make also have an immediate and incredible bearing on where we will spend eternity. I want to begin tonight as we talk about choices. I want to begin by examining a few examples of the choices faced and made by preachers and teachers and those who were told to go and proclaim God's message in the scriptures. Remember Jonah? Remember Jonah? He was told by God to go and preach the word of God to Nineveh. So, Jonah made a choice. <laughs> he was determined to run from the responsibility that God placed on him. How'd that work out for him? He found out he couldn't outrun God. He wound up in the belly of a big fish for three days until he was finally puked out onto a beach. You want to hear that just for an ice cream social, right? about Moses. Moses was very reluctant about being a preacher in the first place. Remember the whole burning bush episode? He was reluctant, but he agreed. But later on, both Moses and Jeremiah encountered such a terrible personal backlash to the word of God which they taught that it appears as if both of them for time considered just giving it up. Exodus chapter 17 verses 1 through 4 for Moses and Jeremiah 20 verses 1 through 12 for Jeremiah. Every one of God's people has continual choices to make. And preachers and proclaimers of the word are no different in the scriptures. For example, turn to me in your Bibles tonight to Isaiah chapter 30, would you please? Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah had a choice to make, just the way Moses had made choice after choice after choice, and Jeremiah had made choice after choice after choice, and all these preachers had made all these choices, all these leaders of God's people. So in Isaiah chapter 30, beginning at verse 8, Isaiah has another choice to make. See, the people there want him to teach something different than he's been teaching. So in Isaiah 30, beginning at verse 8, God says, Now go write it before them on a tablet and note it on a scroll, that for a time to come forever and ever, this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, Do not see, and to the prophets, Do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Isaiah had a choice to make. He knew what the people wanted. 
but he had a choice to make. By the way, do you know how Isaiah is reported to have died according to history? Isaiah, we know, made the choice to continue to preach the truth. What happened to him? He, he died at the hands of Manasseh. Manasseh supposedly sawed him in two according to history. Supposedly in Hebrews chapter, and I say supposedly because it's not in the scriptural text how he actually died, but in Hebrews chapter 11 it talks about those that were sawn in two. And that is supposed to be a reference to Isaiah at the hands of Manasseh. The Apostle Paul, as a preacher and teacher of the gospel, made a similar choice in Galatians 1.10 when he said, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. Paul said, I've made my choice. We remember what happened to Paul for that, don't we? And then there are men like Ezekiel. Turn to me to Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2. This was Ezekiel's call, beginning to verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, Ezekiel 2, 3, I am sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. They are impotent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And as for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse. See, God always gives a choice. Whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions, don't be afraid of their words, dismayed by their looks, though, th though they are a rebellious house. You'll speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Again, God's saying, look, I, I give everybody a choice. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. God says, no matter what they choose to do, you do the right thing. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Chapter 3, verse 1. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. Now, at this point, Ezekiel's got a choice to make. It's going to be tough. Going's going to be hard. God says, do this. But Ezekiel was not robbed of his free will. He didn't have to open his mouth, but he did. He made a choice. It says, so I opened my mouth, verse 2, and he caused me to eat that scroll. If we look over in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 3 of Ezekiel. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you, and hear with your ears, and go get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. And again, we just see God throughout the book of Ezekiel just saying, hey, they've got a choice. We're all probably familiar with the story in Ezekiel chapter 33. I'm not going to turn there now. You can if you want. But in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verses 1 through 9, that's the text that talks about being a watchman. And if you... If you, Ezekiel, as a watchman for my people, if you see them doing the wrong thing, you need to sound the trumpet. And if they hear you, then their blood is on their hands. But if you don't tell them when you see danger coming, if you don't preach to them the truth and tell them the truth, then their blood's on your hands because you didn't tell them what I told you to tell them. We look down further in chapter 33 and we look in verses 17 through 20 and we see the people thought the Lord and his word and his way were unfair. That's not fair, God. When you get home, check out what Ezekiel's choice to try to help them get closer to God was actually going to accomplish as you read the last four verses of chapter 33. But I'm going to move on. 
Because you see, it's not just those who preach and teach the Word of God, those prophets that we see in the Scriptures. It's not just them that have continual life-changing choices to make. It's also the people that listen to them. If we look in the Scriptures, we see this with the people Moses preached to in Deuteronomy 28, where he says, Here's, here it is, here's your choice. Deuteronomy 28, very long chapter. Moses says, here's the choices. And what those people did with that choice was up to them. We would also see it with Joshua and what he preached in Joshua 24, 14 through 15. You'll recall that that's the place where Joshua says, you've heard the word of God, you can do with it what you want, you can make your choice. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua said, Joshua loved those people and said, what you do with it's up to you. But I've made my choice. Everybody has choices to make. Everybody. And nobody can make those choices for you. And, and I'm glad of that. And God made us that way. I, I cannot make your choices for you. Sometimes it breaks my heart if I see somebody that takes the word of God and rejects it. Yeah. Breaks your heart when you see it. Many of you have, have come to me over the years and you know somebody's just not doing what they ought to do and, and it breaks your heart and, and it does. It do, and it breaks mine. But I can't live your life for you and I can't make and you can't live mine for me. You can't make my choices for me. Each one of us has to make our own choices. We see the same idea of choices expressed time and again throughout the New Testament. We're going to look at some other choice examples, if I may use that pun. If you want to turn here, go ahead, but it's a text that we have talked about much in recent sermons. John chapter 6. Talked about it this morning. Go ahead and turn there and just check out and make sure the things I'm saying are true. It is so vital that you look in God's Word and you make sure that the things that I say are what God said. I am not infallible. In John chapter 6, Verses 60 through 66, as we talked about this morning. Some of Jesus' disciples, these again were not pagans, these were not people that, that, that hadn't followed him. Some of his disciples, some of his very own followers, made the choice to walk away from the truth that Jesus taught. And it's interesting to note at that point exactly what Jesus, the master teacher, the master preacher, and the sinless son of the living God made the choice himself to do and not to do. As you read that text, you will see that Jesus did not choose to soften or compromise or somehow seek to make more appealing that message that he taught. Because Jesus knew that souls were going to be lost anyway if he softened up the message. If he didn't teach the truth to God and he softened it up so it was more palatable for those that wanted to walk away, that wasn't going to save him anyway. Might have kept him with the group, but it wasn't going to save him. Nor did Jesus choose in that text, and, and again, don't take my word for this, please. Look at it. Nor did Jesus choose... To go chasing down those who had chosen to reject that truth and whom he had offended. He said to them as we looked at this morning, did, did this truth, did this offend you? Are you offended by this? He knew they were. Why did Jesus choose, sinless Jesus, not to chase those people down? Why? I'll tell you why. Because they had made the choice 
to reject what he taught. He had nothing else to offer them. Plain and simple. What Jesus did choose to do, however, in that text was to reinforce what had caused that group to leave with those who had chosen to stay. Did you see that? He said, do you want to walk away too? The very thing that had made that group leave, instead of chasing them down, what Jesus did is he turned around and looked at the ones that stayed and he reinforced to them that he wasn't compromising the truth. He reinforced to them that he was not going to compromise the word even if it meant that they would make the choice to leave as well in John 6 and verse 67. And I love the response. Of course, again, as we covered this morning, it was Peter who spoke up and confirmed allegiance to Jesus. Allegiance to Jesus' words of eternal life. Allegiance to Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And that Peter was in this for life no matter what. Another example. Do you recall when Jesus healed the demon-possessed man of the Gadarene region in Mark 5, 1-20, where, where he drove out the demons, they went in to herd a swine, he went down the hill, that whole story? Those people had a choice to make. And if you're not familiar with the story, or something I say doesn't ring quite to what you remember, look at it, it's Mark 5, 1-20. When Jesus... Heal that man. Some of those townspeople went back to the surrounding region and they told their friends and they came and they said to Jesus, if I may paraphrase, they said, we don't want you here. They made a choice. They said, we don't want you here. They didn't want anything to do with him. So what did Jesus do? Jesus made his choice based on their choice. You know what Jesus did? got back in the boat and pushed off and took off and we have no record anywhere that Jesus ever come back to that region. Did Jesus know what was going to happen to them if they rejected him? Was Jesus going to die for those people? Did Jesus love those people? Did Jesus chase down those people? Look at me in Mark 10. Please look with me in Mark 10. Verse 17. Now he's running out. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running. Knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. And Jesus goes through them. He knew this young man had had a religious upbringing. We've, we've talked about this young man a lot over the years. He had a religious upbringing. Uh, he'd done the right thing. He says in verse 20, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. I, I've kept the commandments. Verse 21, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack. Jesus wanted to try and be mean. Jesus wanted to try and be hateful. Jesus was trying to get this man to heaven, but he knew that there was one thing in the way. Jesus loved this, this rich young ruler. The text says so. One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Jesus said, this is, this is what you've got to do. Jesus wanted to compromise it. 
He wasn't going to tell him something that wasn't true. He wasn't going to try to soft. This, this is what needs to be done here. If you want to go to heaven, this is the, way, this is the only way it's going to happen. But he went away sad at this word. I'm sorry, he was sad at this word and he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Please notice in verse 22, the man went away. He chose. At that point, that man made a decision. He chose to go away. Because the one thing that was required of him in order to get to heaven, he wasn't willing to do. Again, I ask the question, did Jesus love this man? Text says he did. Jesus going to die for him? Yep. Did Jesus know what was waiting for this rich young ruler if he continued to run away from and reject the truth? Yep. Do you suppose that broke Jesus' heart? Did Jesus chase after him? Did Jesus tell his disciples, go get him? Did he tell his disciples to chase after him? You know why? This young man had made a choice to reject doing what he needed to do to get to heaven. What, and Jesus had nothing else to offer. That does not mean that man's choice did not break Jesus' heart. Look at verse 23. This man in verse 22 goes away because he just can't do the one thing that's required. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, and I can't help but think that his, his heart was breaking. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. How hard, how sad it is. Question. According to this text right here in front of us, Mark 10, 17 to 22, does a lack of chasing after one who has chosen to walk away from Jesus, his word, and or his disciples necessarily indicate either a lack of love or the presence of sin on the part of those who don't chase him down? It does not indicate a lack of love just because Jesus didn't run after this guy. It does not indicate the presence of sin because Jesus didn't run after him because if that was a sin, then Jesus sinned and we know he never did. Think of the prodigal son for a minute. Let's change stories. Same lesson. Did the father love the prodigal son? When this young man decided to take the goods and go, did his father chase after him? Did he love him? Did he chase after him? Why? Here's why. Because remaining close to God the Father and his family is something that one must personally decide and determine to do on their own. Can anybody force you to be a Christian? Can they? Can anybody force you to comply with God's commandments? 
Following Jesus has to be a personal decision where one is willing to commit 100% to Christ. And there's nobody that can do it for you. Can one spouse save another? No. Can children save their parents? No. Can parents save their children? No. Not on Judgment Day. Everybody will answer for themselves to God. Following Jesus must be a personal choice that one gives themselves totally to. You know, we could read a lot of examples of this biblical pattern of choices. If, if you were to read through the entire New Testament, read every sermon ever preached. I don't have time tonight. we got stuff to do. I don't have time anyway because we'd be here a long time. But if you read through every sermon in the New Testament, whether Jesus preached it, Paul preached it, whoever preached it, in almost all of those cases, definitely the vast majority, what you're going to see is this. Just like with the parable of the sower, you're going to see the same seed, the same word of God, and you're going to see two groups of people. You're going to see people that choose to accept what is preached, and you're going to see people who choose to reject it. Think of the sermons Paul preached. Think of the raising of Lazarus with Jesus. Think of, of any sermon, and you're going to probably, at least again in the majority of them, you're going to see that people hear that sermon. Some are going to choose to accept it, be challenged by it and live it, and others are going to choose to reject it, deny it, and go their way. That's just, that's just the, the nature of, of preaching. That's the way it happens. It's the way it happened in the Bible. And when those people who heard these lessons chose to reject and walk away from the truth, and the disciples, you know, you don't see Jesus or Paul or any of these New Testament preachers or teachers or apostles choosing to chase them down. No matter how much they loved them. Did Paul love the Israelites? Romans chapter 9 verses 1 through 6. Romans chapter 10 verses 1 through 4. He said, I, I could wish myself accursed if they would just accept the truth here of God. Bad paraphrase. Romans 9, 1 through 5. It broke Paul's heart to see his kinsmen reject Jesus. But why don't you see people being chased down who were so deeply loved and, and broke the hearts of those who, who taught them? Here's why. Because once a person is chosen to turn back from God's way, God has nothing else to offer them. God's got one way, one truth, one life. Obedience to God is a choice. And when somebody says, I'm, you know, I don't need to be around God's people or whatever, or I don't need to be part of this, or I don't need to... What else are you going to do? What else are you going to offer? What else can Jesus give? Especially somebody that knows the truth. You know what? Jesus knew that. How many times have we chased somebody down and they haven't come back or they've come back once or twice to please us and then they're gone again? Anybody ever done that? Raise your hand if you've done that. Raise them high. I want to see them. I can't see them. Look around, people. You know why? Because following Jesus is a personal choice that a person has to make. Jesus knew that. Jesus was godly wisdom incarnate. Jesus who never sinned, never sinned, never sought to chase down those who had chosen to reject what God's word said, at least as far as I can remember reading in the four gospel accounts. Now here's the heart, here's, here's, here's the tough part. Sometimes, and especially in today's society, 
I know that a lack of chasing down somebody who's chosen to walk away can seem mean. It can seem unkind. It can seem unchristlike. It, it can. And I understand. And it can. It really can. Yep. But the question we need to think about is, what do we see Jesus choosing to do and choosing not to do and teaching in places like John 6, Mark 5, Mark 10, and so many others? What do we see Jesus teaching? Jesus never sinned. Jesus wasn't mean, but Jesus didn't go chasing. What do we see him teaching his disciples? In places like, and I got a whole list of scriptures here, Matthew 10, 7 through 16, and Matthew 15, 12 through 14. I got two in Acts, one in Romans, and one in 1 Corinthians, and that doesn't even scratch the surface. In all of those places, we need to go back and reread those when we think it's mean not to chase somebody down who's chosen that they don't want to be around the disciples anymore for whatever reason. Now, of course, there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings. There is. There's going to be a lot of hurt feelings when we don't chase down those who left for whatever reason. I know a man who years ago left the church. He left the church because he didn't believe that some of the things they were doing were scriptural as they ought to have been. And so as a matter of conscience, he just couldn't go there. And this man, this man was pretty upset because as the weeks went by, guess what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nobody called to inquire, hey, why ain't you there? Nobody contacted, at least as far as, as, as I know, this man. And, and sure, he was angry, like, don't I count? <laughs> But you know what? Yeah, he was hurt, he was disappointed, maybe he's even a little bit better, maybe disillusioned. But you know what? He kept on going with the Lord, and he found another congregation to work and worship with. He became a leader there. You know why? Because being totally, completely, 100% committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and His truth is not a choice that anybody else in the world can make or break for you. It is not a choice that anybody else in the world will answer for for you. To stay with the Lord no matter what is only a choice that can be made by each individual person on their own, irregardless of what anybody else in the world or the church says or does to, for, or against them. Who is responsible for your salvation? Who? Do not hold me responsible for it, because that's way above my pay grade. This man that I know of 
did not stay faithful to Christ and his church and find another congregation to work and worship with based on whether or not he got a call or visit from some member of the church where he left because he didn't. And if that's the determining factor as to whether or not this man's relationship with the Lord had continued back then, then he never would have gone to heaven. But it was on his shoulders. It was not a matter of the calls or visit he got from some other church member that made him faithful. Do you know why this man did it? I'm going to tell you why he did it. He did it because he was a soldier. He was a soldier in the army of his God. The Lord Jesus Christ was his commanding officer. The Holy Bible was his code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word of God were the weapons of his warfare. He was taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. He was a volunteer in the Lord's army and he had enlisted for eternity. He would either retire from the army at the Lord's return or die in that army, but he would not get out, give out, sell out, or be talked out or pushed out by anyone or any problem. That's why he stayed. He was faithful, reliable, and dependable. If his God needed him, he was there. He was a soldier. He was not a baby. He did not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. He was a soldier. No one had to call him, remind him, write him, visit him, entice him, or lure him. He was a soldier. He was not a wimp. He was in place saluting his king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and serving in his kingdom. No one had to send him flowers, gifts, food, candy, cards, or give him handouts. He did not need to be coddled, cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. He was a soldier and he was completely committed. He could not have his feelings hurt badly enough to turn him around. He could not be discouraged enough to turn him aside and he could not lose enough to cause him to quit. He was a soldier. He was committed. His God would supply all his needs and he knew that. He was more than conqueror in Christ Jesus his Lord. He could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. Devils couldn't defeat him. People could not disillusion him. Weary weather could not weary him. Sickness couldn't stop him. Battles couldn't beat him. Money couldn't buy him. And governments couldn't silence him. He was a soldier. He was committed. Even death could not destroy him. He was a soldier in the Lord's army and he continued marching, claiming victory. He would not give up. He would not turn around and he would never surrender. He was a soldier marching heavenward bound. How many of you read the bulletin this afternoon? Well, I didn't do it this afternoon, sorry. The lesson is yours. If there's anybody here tonight that would join the Lord's army by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, we'd love to have you do that. But I want to tell you before you do, this is a commitment this is a surrender of self, and it is for life. It is for eternal life. And the choice that you make if you decide to be baptized into Christ 
means it is completely on your shoulders to continue to choose the Lord. The people that you will become a part of are called the church. They're people. Sometimes those people in that church, despite their best efforts, are going to say things that are going to rub you the wrong way. There's times when the people in that church, despite their best efforts, are going to make you upset. Because they're humans, just like you are. But amongst all of them, the only person that is responsible for keeping you faithful to the Lord is you. This is about relationship. And your relationship with God will come first should you choose to be baptized into Christ. It must. If it's not, then don't bother. Because you're giving yourself to Jesus. If there's anybody here that's made that choice, but you need the prayers of the church to be stronger, maybe there's somebody that you need to make something right with, I don't know. But if you have some need to get something squared away with God or, or one of his children, you need to come to the front, please, and we will do all we can to assist you in that as we stand and sing.